This is the Two Dudes Talk Tattoos podcast, a more advanced look at tattooing. This podcast focuses on science, design, and everything else that is tattoo related. This show isn't really for the beginner, but more for the experienced artist with questions that need answering so they can improve their tattoo game. It's also for those who just like to listen to podcasts, so like, you don't really have to listen to us tell you not to listen to us. Well, anyways, if you do decide to listen, thank you. Be sure to tell your friends about us. But be aware, we do have a rule on the show. Don't ask us what brands we use. So the question came up because I just tattooed this guy. Uh, He has incredibly severe psoriasis oh, right? okay um i don't explaining this might actually work better yeah as part of the episode but uh the skin on this dude's leg was like as thin as a sausage casing oh wow okay it was just so bizarre right like i just yeah. felt like if i stretch the skin too hard i'm gonna rip that shit in half it was almost like but, it was a hundred years old or some shit right Right, but he was probably like late thirties or something, you know, like mm-hmm. um, just has a really bizarre form of psoriasis. Mm-hmm. And like generally speaking, it's still tattooable. Uh the tattoo that I was doing was actually a cover-up, right? Um inevitably, you know, it's just making sure that I did everything as soft as possible, easy mm-hmm. as possible. Everything had to be one pass, clean as shit, and just zero trauma. Yeah, I was thinking about it while I was doing it, and I was like, "Man, how many people would be having a heart attack right now trying to tattoo this shit?" Yeah, yeah. Do you do identify what type of psoriasis that it was, or he just said that he had Uh, X psoriasis? All he said was psoriasis. Um, Was it like if you were to identify it? Was it really red? Was it not red? Was it pus filled? Was it really flaky? Well, he wasn't having like an outbreak. So because he spent his life with such bad psoriasis he has to get like three shots a week and pills and all this shit for the rest of his life but his skin was just covered in like weird scars and super thin skin like you can see all the veins and shit underneath it it's just so weird and wild looking yeah i'm not sure what specific type of psoriasis it was but yeah it looked like it was fucking rough yeah it's probably painful really itchy like he had he had some shit going on right so fun fact about some types of psoriasis when you actually do a tattoo you can actually decrease the symptoms of the psoriasis breakouts um, or even the frequency of them by getting a tattoo very very we don't have numbers on this but i've seen it happen you know many 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 times doing this because once you inject something into the body the body's immune system starts to actually work with that right we put in a tattoo we've deposited pigment into the skin it almost is like stealing away some of that extra effect, right? That, that, that overproduction of whatever's going on in the skin, you know, and focuses on this other thing, allowing the skin to almost relax. There was a uh, medical journal I read about three years ago um, where this group of guys, right, they put together this information that showed that um, over the course of getting tattoos, you actually strengthen your immune system yep. in a multitude of ways. 
Um, and one of the subjects that they touched on was psoriasis, but yeah, it's weird. Cause it can, it can go one way or the other, of course. Right. Um, triggering an immunological response can cause the body to like, if you get too many tattoos in too short a time, it's hypothesized that you can get an autoimmune disorder, you know, just from triggering your immune system so much. You can basically tax it until it just starts to attack fucking everything. Anything that is like molecularly like something else. It's just like, well, this is bullshit. We're going to fucking go after it. But inversely, right? Sliding scale the other way. You can have this where if you have like lupus or, you know, a rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, eczema, things like this, it can actually decrease those flare-ups um, in relation to where they are uh, to the tattoo, which is fucking really, really cool stuff. Um, but yeah, like... It, it's so difficult, I think, like coming up to something like that with a person who is already suffering, right? And they're just wanting to have some type of positive experience with their body, you know, right. almost like a type of dysmorphia. They're trying to like just take control. Like, this is my fucking, you're not telling me what to do. You know, I want to have a good experience. And it's it's difficult to work with them, especially if, like, I think we're lucky because we, we're geeks. <laughs> so we walk into stuff a little bit differently than maybe the average street shop might, but um, you have to do so much more prep in my experience, right? Like so much more prep and you have to have really good communication with the person before you even get into it. Um, because if you don't have that, right, it, it can go sideways so quickly. You know what I mean? Um, how did you approach like the, because I, I know how I would approach it. Do you want me to take the fucking helm and, Maybe give like a, a rundown of how I would do stuff, or do you want to fucking banter back and forth yeah, we'll, bit by bit? We'll go through your approach and then we'll go through what's probably <laughs> my far too cavemanish. <laughs> because... Yeah, the, the science side of stuff is like the more I learn, the more time I'm taking, at least on the beginning with people before I get into stuff. And when you have these complex um, disorders that that are, you know, a lifetime of whatever for the person. Um, getting to know the client and I think really establishing a good like circle of trust and communication at the start is not only beneficial for the client because they can have a little bit more input into various aspects of, of the tattoo process, including like the healing, you know what I mean? Because if, if you have psoriasis and you already have a skincare routine, you can't just be like, hey, put some aquaphor on this three times a day or put a piece of sanitrum on it. And it's going to be okay. It's, it's just not going to fit them. But I think it's like if you're if you are a tattooer who hasn't done this stuff, maybe that's how we should approach this. If I was giving advice, um, if I was giving advice, I'd say the first thing you need to do is whatever's going on with your client. Hang on a second. The fucking stink bugs crawling at me from all corners. Um, <laughs> it's spring in Portland. <laughs> um, if you have a client who has a complex medical condition, right? Or some type of chronic health condition, the, the first thing you need to do is educate yourself, right? To understand what, what it is that they're going through. If somebody comes in and says, you know, I have a complex lupus, you know, with multifocal, like, but, but it affects a bunch of different parts of my body, you know, or maybe I got shingles, maybe I got hepatitis, maybe I've got AIDS. Knowing what it is that you're dealing with first, I think is like key, right? So um, on, on my side, if I'm coming into something and I don't know what it is, the first thing I do is I go and just hit the web, right? I try to read about it, learn about it as best as possible. And I'll come up with notes, questions about the stuff that I need to know. And I'll go talk to a specialist initially to get a little bit of a foundational understanding about what I'm dealing with um, before I even start thinking about how to apply the tattoo. Like, I just want to know what's going on with the person. <clears throat> and I've been doing that for a few years. So I have 
a pretty decent foundational knowledge about complex issues or disorders that people have. Um, but I mean, if I was just starting, that would be the scariest thing, right? If I have somebody come in who says, I have psoriasis, and this is the worst psoriasis I've ever even seen or could possibly think of, I would, you know, naturally want to be like, I can't touch you. <laughs> when like reality is, well, you totally can. You just have to understand what the hell you're working with, right? Um, so yeah, I, I would I would do that. I'd get educated, try to figure out what's going on with it and try to really understand like that that tissue that you're working with, right? It's not paper, it's not a canvas, it's not... It's not something else that doesn't feel pain or age. So when when I'm trying to understand this stuff, I'm trying to think of it through the filter of what is this tattoo going to be like when I'm doing it? How do I think it's going to heal? And then what is it going to look like 10 years from now? And that should influence how I like think of the design. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I Do I get to talk to clients oh, about this all the time? <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm just picturing that there's going to be like 40 tattoo artists or 200 tattoo artists or whoever's listening here. They're just yeah. going to be like, wow, that is way more work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, we've talked about this before that my approach to tattooing is extremely in-depth. Um, I don't, I never do tattoos without a level of conversation between me and the client that engages them and acts towards building a level of collaboration on what the final image is going to be. I'm not, I don't really approach tattooing as an artist and I got big air quotes up around this. Right. <clears throat> I think of myself more as like a, a tradesperson, a plumber, you know, you wouldn't want a plumber to come into your house and be artistic. You just want him to come and fix the loo and get the fuck out. Right. <laughs> it's like, Ooh, I mean, you want to know what the budget is? All my be... plumbing's already working. Yeah. Then I'll pay him to be artistic. <laughs> hey, buddy. Be real, my house is an investment. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you got them Japanese toilets? Can you do them? Oh, yeah, we can do them. You know, <laughs> this one sings to you. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, I know that this probably, if I am describing this, it's not going to be fit for everyone, you know, but at the same time, at least thinking about other ways that you can go about approaching these things can at times result in better outcomes, especially if you're confronted with a really complex problem. You know, this is like doing brain surgery versus doing like orthopedic surgery versus doing, I'm setting a finger because I broke it in a fight, right? The more complex the, that the problem is, the more interventions that can be needed to actually achieve a positive outcome. And if you don't know how to approach those at the start, you're not gonna be able to like, really come up with the best way to like help your client achieve what they want to. And if you're charging a couple hundred bucks an hour, I mean, that's a lot of money, you know, right. sometimes that's more than you pay to see a doctor. You want that person to be knowledgeable, understanding. And if you're out there and you're listening and you're like, fuck you, Ryan, I gotcha. I understand. Uh, you can, you can go and watch my videos about the different types of artists and shops. And I understand that we all have a different way of doing this, but this is just how I do shit. So fucking lay off. All right. Um. <laughs> I mean, a lot you, you touched on what you would do kind of ahead of time yeah right so like physically in the process how would you be doing the tattoo oh, yeah so it's going to depend on how complex the problem is like if somebody has a, a communicable disease the process is going to be really focused on infection control and you know sterile practices if somebody has Which, a chronic disease a tattoo artist like yeah. every tattoo <clears throat> should be approached that, that way. That should be that should be the number one thing, right? Like if you're 
you should treat everyone like they have AIDS and hepatitis because you don't know. Right. Right. So that that's why we do all the cleaning. And, you know, I, you shouldn't bag your machine. It just aerosolates up. Yeah. But I mean, you still have to touch it. <laughs> that's why we put a cover on it. Right. So you can touch it and not get it dirty. You know what I mean? Um, I always bothered me. People like, don't bag your machines. I'm like, well, would you want like going into a hospital and like that light when you're getting a surgery isn't covered in plastic? They're like, oh, the last dude is in your at Ebola. <laughs> no, man, cover that shit. It's, I don't want to pick it up. It's a bizarre <laughs> argument. The yeah. idea of just not bagging. Like, just fucking do it. Just do it. It costs <laughs> point. It's 20% of a half of a cent. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any right. sense. Just do it. You don't like it because you want to be a rebel. Just go get some blue balls and put them on the back of your pickup truck and, you know, yell freedom and shit. But don't don't not cover your stuff be like using someone else's toothbrush. It's just messed up. I don't. Blech. Anyways. <clears throat> so. So, yeah, depending on what's going to happen, I'm going to have to set up that 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 prep. That prep is super duper important. Right? That's going to kind of influence stuff when I'm when I'm in the actual tattoo. I have to understand the person. We have to have really good communication because if there is something else that's going on with them, they're going to have to know what's going on with their body, be attentive to it, and be able to tell me what's going on as it's going, right? If I have somebody with really bad psoriasis and their skin starts to bleed and they're just fine with it, you know what I mean? I can make the assumption that everything is okay or I can you know, choose to talk to them. And inversely, if, if I'm sitting there working and I'm into a really detailed part of a tattoo and the client's in a, an immense amount of pain, right? Maybe they've got, you know, rheumatoid arthritis or, you know, um, fucking MS, something like that, right? They're not feeling well. They have to be able to trust me enough to be like, hey, we need to just take a break because I don't feel well. Because then you're not taxing the system. You know, you're, you're working with the body to ensure a quality outcome as opposed to just pushing through it for art's sake, which I think is, it's going to be controversial as hell to say something like that. But I'm always trying to aim at that 100% outcome, which is impossible, Right. You hit around 90% perfection, 95% infection, uh, perfection. But when you have somebody who has a chronic health problem, understanding what the potential outcomes are is going to have to make you like adjust that sliding scale of what's possible and how far you can push it. If I'm in it, depending on the style and approach to the tattoo, I'm probably going to be attempting to get this done as quickly as possible, regardless of what's going on. If, I shouldn't say quickly, efficiently as possible. I'm not going to take a ultralight gray wash and build up saturation 20 passes in on somebody who's got plaque psoriasis. You know, it's got to be a one and done pass. You got to know your tools. You got to know your equipment. You've got to put it in there and walk away because if you're trying to get a one and done tattoo, if you stress the skin out just even a little bit too much and it causes a stress response in the person, the person ends up getting a major flare up while this stuff is going on and it takes six months for the tattoo to heal. It's, it's not going to look good, right? Like it's common sense. Um, so yeah, that would be it. The communication, trying to keep the, the, um, I was going to say the patient, the client's, um, skin, uh, as in much of a rested state as possible. I'm not going to bounce around while I'm doing the tattoo, especially I'm doing large scale. I'm not going to go from like the, uh, and this is with every tattoo. I mean, people sit better if you just work through it, right? <laughs> I'm not going from the shoulder to the wrist, the elbow, the inside of the arm, and just like, oh, and that's, I'll line all over the place and shade all over the place. So just slowly work in a progression, make sure the design is created in a way that if we have to stop, I know I can pick it up at X point and keep going. You know, I'm constantly trying to reassess those things. And I set um, guideposts with all of my clients where we'll agree on what we're doing before we even start. And we'll create like a five-step process, right? So, okay, so we're going to place the stencil. 
we'll go with, sorry, get your skin prepped, place a stencil. We're going to get the line work done. We're going to get the shading done. We're going to get the color done. We're going and blah, 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 right? Each one of those spots that we identify in that timeline is a place for them to get out if they need to. But if we start one of these things, I want to make sure that you know that we can finish it before we get into it because it can affect the clarity of the image going out, right? So if you're 95%, yeah, I can make it through this, we're stopping. You have to be 100% sure that you can make it through this. Otherwise, we're not doing it. Slow it down, multiple sessions if need be, <clears throat> whatever, to try and make sure that we're like always, always working with their body. Because if you take more time and you decrease the amount of stress that you're putting on the person, their body doesn't have to work as hard to heal. If it doesn't work as hard to heal, especially with a chronic condition, you're going to get a better outcome. That's just common sense. You know what I mean? Um, we have a, a tendency, those of us who may use nicotine and inhalation devices or combustibles, to want to get up every 45 minutes and go take a 10 minute smoke break. Um, I don't, if I'm working with somebody who's got, you know, a chronic condition, we're going to sit there and we're going to do very short breaks scheduled every hour where we have no more than five minutes. Cause we don't want their bodies like actual processes starting to trigger and flip from I'm dealing with pain and trauma to I'm healing. Right. Because when you keep bouncing back and forth off that, and I, just personally, I've seen if I keep it around four and a half to five minutes, when I come back into the tattoo, it's not shocking to the person. If I go any more than five minutes, people will complain, especially if you do like two breaks in an hour. They'll be like, man, this is really starting to hurt. If I keep it like three and a half minutes, I'll walk out the shop. You know, I've got my vape. I'll take two puffs, walk down the street, walk right back in, wash up, regown, remask, re all this stuff, and sit down and start doing. It. They're like, oh, just feels like we haven't stopped tattooing, right? Just decreasing those stress levels in the body as well to make sure that it's just like, not taxing them as much. Um, and then, yeah, just from there, continuously assessing exactly what's going on. Keep the communication open. Don't put really fucking loud music on, you know, <laughs> where you can't talk or you can't hear each other, you know, you know, just tell them, hey, shut up. I've got my headphones on and I'm listening to some fucking Steely Dan. No, like you're talking to them. You know, this is, you're working with them, not on them. That cool? <laughs> Communication is usually pretty important. I mean, even mm -hmm. if you're just generally tattooing, you know, like if you're one of those psychos that just puts your fucking headphones on and starts tattooing and can't actually hear your client or anything, like there's probably a little bit of information you're really missing out on while you're tattooing. Yeah. It, it's not just like verbal language is, is only one part of this, right? There's tactile language, like what you're picking up actually with your feelings as you're doing stuff. And you're reading the person's body language too, right? It's the seen and unseen, heard and unheard aspects of this that actually make it a real collaboration. You have to like actually sync up with your person. So if you're not comfortable with them, that's going to be really fucking hard. So <laughs> if you don't want to do it at the start, don't do it, right? But if you're into it, you're, you're creating a lifetime permanent marking cosmetically on this person. You are going to be a part of their body forever. You need to approach it with some respect. In my mind, I know it's like street shop. I got you guys, you know, it's like, the, but they picked the Cherry Creek roses and they didn't give a fuck if I was there. Yeah, I fucking got you. That's a different vibe, right? Like if you're, if you're working in a place, yes it's no. different. <laughs> you still have to take your work seriously. You have to, right? You're not meeting, you're not meeting your client face to face. You have to have respect. They don't have to. They can come in and do whatever the fuck they want with their body, but you still have to respect the craft, right? Like. It's not just like, I respect, you know, blah. And so I don't eat blah or whatever. No, no, no. It's a little bit different than this. <laughs> if you don't give a shit, shit's going to turn out bad. <laughs> I wouldn't want my neurosurgeon coming in hungover, you know, hang on. I got to go hit this fucking dab. 
you know, before he fucking gets, because you got to be awake when that shit's going on. He's like, bro, I got to put on some fucking reggaeton and let's just give her, you know, like, no, man, like, I want you to be in there focused. Let's put on some fucking classical music before you skirt, start rooting around in my dome. That's stupid. I, I'm not saying, I think I always have to like defend myself from my beliefs in this stuff, right? Because like how how I've experienced tattooing is so much different than everyone else's, you know, getting into science and research, I think has funneled a lot of my attention away from just being like a, you know, air quote artist into trying to figure out the best way to apply a tattoo. It's like my, my specialization when I first started tattooing, I was trying to focus on foundational knowledge of tattooing. That was it. I didn't want to become a, I seen some people doing stuff and they were just, like you right brian like i see you do stuff i'm like fuck you know like i'll never artistically be as good as you you are light years ahead of me right but i can hopefully apply a tattoo really really well and so that that foundational stuff should actually influence your art because if you know how to apply a tattoo it doesn't really matter the art style because all you're doing is just right tattoo right that's what so, i basically try to tell everyone like whether your drawing sucks or not, if you can just do the damn tattoo bulletproof, it's going to look like a good tattoo. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter, right? It's, <laughs> a, it's a blend between your artistic ability and your technical ability. But I mean, only so far as like given your location and the type of work that you're doing. I mean, I started out in a flash shop on a street. I didn't, we didn't have custom artwork. Custom artwork was unheard of, you know, custom. No, no custom. You know, you, you pick something off the wall and we'll copy it. And so I didn't have to know how to draw. I didn't know how to draw my first year of tattooing anyways. Um, I just knew how to tattoo. I'd get in and copy a freaking Jeff Partell, like, you know, stonework goblin thingy on someone's arm and it looks sick. I was worried about the technique. It's all fun and games until somebody brings in some David Bolt flash. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Man, like Bullseye, remember that shit when that stuff came out too? The, the computer-generated designs? I remember some people I worked with were like, you can't do that as a tattoo. I'm like, why? <laughs> I think you can, can't you? They're like, we don't even have those fucking colors, bro. I'm like, why don't you mix them? Huh? Right. <laughs> uh, how do we get back up on this one? So I think the only thing that's like left with this, if, if we're working with complex medical issues with a person is the the after like when you're completed right um i mean we can always try to hit home with that idea of uh infection control right if you're working with somebody who has a communicable disease your cleaning has to you know be good but you should be treating everyone like they're fucking sick you shouldn't be treating everyone like they're the picture of health you know everyone technically has walked in dog poo, dog poo before they walked in the door so regardless you know um but if we have really chronic skin conditions I, I already create every type of aftercare that I do holistically for the individual. I don't just have a card that we hand out and we're just like, here, this is how you take care of the tattoo because everyone's skin is different. You know, um, If somebody has oily skin, I'm not going to tell them to put an oily product on their skin three times a day and say it's good. You know, And if they have super dry skin, I'm not going to tell them to take a fucking wax-based thing and put it on their skin three times a day and say it's good either because it's not, it's not taking into account the actual person, their lifestyle, their background, their genetics how old they are you know what i mean like those, those things all should come into play otherwise you know we would go to our dermatologists and they just hand us a piece of paper and be like have a good day which isn't the right, right thing <laughs> um so 
more often than not, if I have somebody who has like really bad eczema psoriasis, and it, we actually have started doing this with all of our clients, we have a, a two-day check-in that we do, um, where the person two days after the tattoo is completed, they take a picture of it, um, they send it to us, and they give us an update on how things are. Right? Is it itching? Is it burning? Have you been in the sun? Does it look like there's signs of infection? Like, how are things going? Do you have questions? Like, you know, try to stay in contact because. At least for me, going through tattooing, it was always absolutely maddening because as soon as somebody would walk out the door and I knew that the tattoo was good, that door closed and I automatically assumed it was a piece of shit. I'm like, it's not going to heal well. I don't know what I'm doing. Fucking imposter syndrome, you know, and I started to panic and then I wouldn't see that person for three years and I would worry for three years, right? They walk back in the door. They're like, let me see your tattoo. And they're like, yeah, it healed up fine. I'm like, well, I, I know because you came back that you had to have had either a good experience or maybe there was a problem or something else. But it's been three years, you know, whatever. But I'm like, why didn't you oh, tell me? <laughs> Send me pictures. I tell every single client to come back in two weeks so I can see yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Um, I get maybe five clients a year that'll come back in that two-week period. <laughs> actually show me their tattoo. Yeah, we have an automated system that'll go out with text messages for confirmation where people have to like, you know, log in or whatever. And they're like, yes, I'm going to be there for my appointment. And we'll have email reminders that can go out for people as well. It's like, hey, send us your pictures. Make sure you touch base with us. So I don't even have to worry about it anymore. We go to the email or most people actually have my cell phone number now that I work with because we do such, you know, large scale stuff um, that you become friends with the people. You know what I mean? Like I've done so many tattoos. I'm just still buddies with everyone. Shoot them a text, but I can't fuck this up. So that's always a bit different, but that, that, that check-in is great because depending on the, the style of the tattoo that you're doing, especially when you get that check-in, if there is a problem, you know, when to schedule that touch up, right. Based on that, you can make an assumption about how long it's going to take for it to heal. Um, and then also if it's, if it's a type of tattoo that really needs to age evenly, right. let's say that you've got some black work that needs to be fixed up is tribal or whatever. You don't want to wait a year for it to go by and then go back in and pump over something because you're going to have to redo the whole fucking tattoo. You want to get it right. done as quickly as possible. Or if you're trying to age it a little bit before you do the touch up, because it'll help soften up the image, you can push it out right? you can adjust that, that time that you're going to be spending on it to fix things up or even just going for a second pass by, by tailoring it to how they heal. And then you start to know their skin better that way too, right? Because like you get two days out and it looks like I have this one lady I tattooed, dude, three days, she's done. Day one, she's a little bit dry. Day two peels. Day three, fucking golden. She's got a little bit of gloss. By day 10, her skin is set. It looks like it's been healed six months. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> one client, uh, I was working on his sleeve, right? Full color sleeve, all this shit. And we had a big section of red that we did in his arm. Mm. So um, I did spots of red here and there previous to that. And those little spots had a really rough time healing. Mm. Um, and I was like, I know I don't suck that much. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, so, uh, <laughs> the next time he came in, we just did a different area and tattooed the shit red. We we're like, we're going to figure out what's going on here. Yeah. And that spot had a really tough time healing. Yeah. Um, at the time I was using solid ink. So I message uh, solid and they're, they're, they literally responded back. They're like, you're not the only one, bro. We've had like hundreds. Um, the parts per billion in solid inks red was higher than average 
and their red ink specifically took longer for those inks to heal. Right. They actually made like a public announcement on their social media and everything else that they were going to change the uh, recipe, quote unquote. Yeah. The shit. And, but like, fuck. <laughs> you know? That's- so I had to buy completely different ink to be able to use in this guy as an arm particularly something to think about when you're doing this is the different types of pigments that you use are going to have a different reaction immunologically uh in the body right you're going to see a different histology present when you use them and that's why we have different types of allergic reactions when we do certain types of uh, pigments or use different types of pigments so like if you if you know that somebody has like type 2 diabetes or if they have plaque psoriasis or if they have eczema or they have hepatitis or they have other things like this you want to go and check not only the type of pigment that's being done like go check the ci number um, or just, you know, your, your, whatever the color index number is online, see what makes this, this, what makes up this pigment, you know, maybe where it's sourced from, but also look at the additives, right? Because as those things are filtered through the body, they can stress different parts of it as they're removed, right? Those, those carrier fluids can result in different reactions as well. And so if you know that you have an inflammatory response by whatever type of disease this person has, and you have a pigment that has a very strong alcohol smell, maybe has a very strong presence of alcohol in its carrier fluid, or they use Listerine, those things may actually react inside the skin a little bit more, even if that's sensitive skin and cause more inflammation, they may cause more scabbing, they may cause a greater reaction to what you're doing, as opposed to maybe using another brand or another product, right? That's why I don't really give a shit about products. So just use, everything is so different for each person, right? I may use one brand for one and I'll use something completely different for the others. My there's predispersed one on this one powder on this one, just because everyone's different. Right. But you have to know your stuff, what you're using um, to be able to apply that. And you have to understand the disease enough to be able to make those, those adjustments as you go. Now our commercial break, we got a, we got a sponsorship uh, sponsorship spot from Dragonhawk. Yeah, I'm totally down for that. Actually, yeah. I, I, okay, so I think it's so fucking funny that it's Dragonhawk. <laughs> I thought you would have had a good laugh out of that, right? I was thinking about hitting up some other machine builders and stuff, and I was like, no, we got to go, like, let's just go, let's lean into this, right? Like, No, I, I have no shame in that, that, dude. I tell every fucking tattooer, every single person I know, I was like, fuck yeah, Dragonhawk, dude. <laughs> Spend a hundred dollars on a fucking machine. It lasts a year. You throw it away and buy a new one. Fuck it. This is shit, dude. What I really liked, um, you know, in Oregon, they expect you to have at least a slight knowledge of how to identify yep. skin conditions. Yep. When I got to Arkansas, they didn't give a fuck. There was no mention <laughs> of skin uh, issues, no idea of like any type of anything medical introduced into their like tattoo test. I remember they had they the pictures about that side of it. They're like, like pick out the granuloma and you're like, Oh, cool. Doink that one. Right. <laughs> pick out dermatitis. Doink that None one. Yeah. That. That's crazy. The only uh, real like health issue question they had was, would you tattoo someone with hepatitis? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would. I don't care. I've tattooed Their people. Correct <laughs> answer is no. What? So in Arkansas, 
you're not allowed to tattoo somebody that's had a history of hepatitis. Wow. <laughs> that is such an archaic way of approaching it. Cause like people can have hepatitis and not present for years, you know, they just have a, right. a fucking latent infection instead of one that's not actually presenting properly. Like that's, that's insane. Like that's why you have to literally treat everyone like they have an infection just because some of this shit can hang out for decades, you know? You right. won't know. Hepatitis C can sit forever in the body. You know, it can live on countertops and surfaces for fucking ever too. That's why we clean everything. You know what I mean? Like that's, oh, that hurts. It's, I uh, have a feeling that there was at one point a really scary hepatitis outbreak in Arkansas. So, so they were just like, uh, never again. <laughs> yeah, I don't, it, it's, and it wouldn't be related to anything tattoo wise. Like in New York, right. there was that potential like hepatitis outbreak, you know, with the tattooing. I think it was in the 70s or the 80s when they banned tattooing again, you know, it's illegal to get right. tattoos in New York. And it turned out that it wasn't at all from tattooing. It was just like some, there's some, you know, dirty needles that were going around uh, for intravenous drug users who had tattoos. And so they put two and two together and they're like, this is how you get it. I actually don't know if there is any, credible evidence right now that 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 these things can be linked together i mean that there is of course they could happen i know i'm not saying that no it's fine if somebody's got hepatitis oh, lick the needles <laughs> right like but do you know the numbers on that shit at the moment there's not a single reported case in u.s history of a professional tattoo studio spreading hepatitis there you go that was what my i didn't want to I know that you would know, but I was like, I don't want to fucking put my neck out there, say something and get fucking shot. Um, same with like AIDS, right? Like uh, HIV AIDS transmission. I don't believe there's any recorded cases of that either in a licensed professional shop. No, not from a, no. any professional tattoo studios. So the yeah. issue realistically when it boils down to that kind of shit and tattooing is always your kitchen wizards and you know the assholes doing it at home that are fucking people up, right? So yeah. when they talk about tattoo transmission, they're generally talking about the idiots that are doing that shit in their kitchen. They don't actually have any education on infection control sterility. They're using needles, we're right. using ink, things like this. It all gets lumped together. So you get professionals lumped in the same category with, you know, scratchers and all that bullshit. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't I don't get it, dude. I don't get it. I mean, it uh, we live in a state, you know, of a lot of fear propaganda. We're always worried about who's coming to get us or what's going to go wrong. And it's, I know it makes for good news and stuff, but when it comes down to at least doing tattoos in, in my mind, I'm always trying to just understand stuff and almost isolate myself in a bubble, right? I'm not trying to worry about what's going on over here or going on over there and just use common sense when approaching shit, right? If we have right. data, use it, <laughs> right? I just, I don't get it. Like, it, it, you know that there's doctors in your area. Why don't you go and talk to them about tattooing if you want to learn more? To be fair, doctors barely know shit about tattooing. So. <laughs> yeah, it's always good. Like, I, I have uh, two PAs and one MD, plus a couple other people who are, who are on the back burner that I can talk to about this stuff. I got, like, physical chemists, things like that for the research stuff that we do. And uh, when I first started talking to, to the one doctor here, he had no idea about anything. But the pandemic was going on. He was like, man, I'd love something else to think about. <laughs> so I'd send him articles. I'd send him, I just kept a, an email thread going. And we got a couple hundred emails going on between us now over the past like 18 to 24 months. And that motherfucker knows about tattoos now. 
I ended up kind of educating him and he would help me verify ideas that I had or validate hypotheses that we may have based on other evidence. And he was right into it. You know, like doctors are still science geeks, you know, I'm, some of them, I won't say all of them because you can still find that piece of shit every once in a while. Who's like, right. you know, I'll write you that script Roxy's if you want, just pick, kick me 50 bucks. Uh, but for the most part, like if you get, if you approach them as like somebody who's actually genuinely wanting to learn and improve not only your craft, but the potential health outcomes for people, they, that's their fucking job. They, as far as I've seen, they've been really cool about wanting to jump on board and be a part of it, <clears throat> except for dermatologists at large clinics. They're kind of pricks. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want their names on anything unless it's going to be rejuvenate this or fucking augment that. In my, in my experience, if you are listening and you are a dermatologist and you're like, I'm not like that, I'm not fucking talking to you. How's that? <laughs> Talk to the other one. You're a dermatologist and listening. You should get on board and <laughs> message us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still trying to find, I, I am still trying to find a, a licensed dermatologist to work with some of the research that we're, because we're trying to draft up this, this user guide to use of like, a, or for the use of transparent bandages. And right now I'm doing it with a bunch of other like cross-discipline people, but no dermatologists have been able to bite onto this. It's like, they almost don't want their name on something, which is fucking fine. Like we don't have to use your name. Right. But creating at least a guide for people to know how to accurately address and identify the skin, know when to use transparent bandages and when not to, and how best to actually apply them and care for them would be really fucking nice because the information that we get is not right. And everyone has their own way of doing it. And if everyone has their own way of doing it, everyone's wrong <laughs> right <laughs> you can only drive a car one way if you're not doing it that way it's wrong <laughs> that's a bad analogy <laughs> mm. that was cool this is good talks today dude i dig this do you want to hit another another fucking topic that you threw out for today yeah i can barely remember what i uh, the next one was um, traveling and tattooing, right? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. You know, I was sitting there and uh, thinking about it. And uh, the question, you know, comes up is there a real advantage or disadvantage to actually traveling and not just specifically conventions, but traveling, traveling. in general, traveling to different shops, guest spots, things like that, yeah. tattooing in different countries? Yeah. Um, et cetera. You know, so like just jumping in anywhere, you know, like what are, you know, your take on pros and cons development? All of the uh, yeah. So I know you and I both think of this the same way. Like tattooing to us is not just about an art form or something. Like it's a trade, right? Like you're a plumber, a fucking contractor, you're a, an electrician, you know, you're, you're somebody who is learning a craft. That is very complex. So in essence, the, the traveling thing always comes up to me because like back way back when historically, if you went through an apprenticeship after you finished your apprenticeship, you got the fuck out of town. You had to be, you're a journey person, right? A journeyman, you journeyed, you moved from place to place, applying your trade and picking up little tricks and tidbits from everywhere that you went so that you could expand your repertoire, right? And slowly evolve whatever the trade or craft that you're doing is till it became just a part of you. And once it became a part of you, and then it slowly started just to like, it, when it's effortless, you can start expressing yourself through it because it's you now, right? Once you've expressed yourself 
enough through this and you've defined an air quote style or a specialty that you have, then you can pass that stuff on. And this is where I hate the idea of stylization, specification, side tattooing. If you're two years in, it doesn't make any sense to me. Right. You don't, you don't know yeah. enough. It's you know? absurd. You can't just say, well, I specialize in black and gray. How long have you been tattooing? Six months. Yeah. No. You don't specialize in shit. No, you're just <laughs> you're just tattooing black and gray and avoiding everything else, right? Like to, to learn something like you wouldn't want a contractor coming in to frame your house if he only knows how to use a hammer and not a saw. Right. Like you want to have all of the tools necessary to be able to complete the job effectively, not just be like, and I know it's shots fired, everyone. Fuck shots fired. Ryan's saying a bunch of shit. And so is Brian and Ryan are talking shit about me because I've been tattooing two years and I fucking don't want to tattoo American traditional. That's your choice. I don't give a shit. You just could be better if you learned more. It's like going and getting an associate's versus a PhD. Do you know more if you're a PhD? Yes. That's why you have a fucking PhD. <laughs> Are you more in debt? Probably. Right. You can't um, build a pyramid and start with the top brick. Mm-hmm. No, it's just a pebble. I guess if we were filtering this down from the top, the idea that you have to have a certain amount of experience is always going to be necessary before I feel like you should start traveling. Even if you have specificity right now, you're three years in, you're like, I'm really good at Neotrad stuff. You may be really good in your environment, your shop, your culture, your climate, you know, and you may not have enough experience. Like, let's say that you live in a mostly white population, like in, you know, Portland Metro, Seattle Metro, Pacific Northwest, and you decide to move to Mississippi, right? And you have a more ethnic population that you're going to have to work with. Well, when you go there and try to apply your trade to somebody with different skin types, tones, complexions, the humidity is different. There's different elevation. There's all these variables that are instilled just into life down there. You will not know how to adapt to them because you do not have the tools necessary to do it. So I guess that could be the first bit on this. Traveling can be helpful in a controlled environment when you're early in your career, but it's only so you can steal information, techniques, your filter feeding, your approach. To, to education by looking at what other everyone else is doing and just taking little bits off of it, right? Building it onto your ontology and application of tattooing. I guess if, if you were to think about the idea that you know what you're looking for. Yeah. Right. Because you have to be aware of what it is you're seeking. Otherwise you don't know what the fuck you're looking at. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. You're just watching an asshole tattoo. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, I guess trying to figure out what is good and bad, the aesthetic beliefs or principles that a person's going to go on to is going to be their own shit. But I think that there should always be a core foundation that's instilled in an apprenticeship that you understand what a good tattoo is. Not a great tattoo, not an artsy right. tattoo, not a fancy tattoo. No, just what is a good tattoo, right? You said this a hundred fucking times on the show already, right? <laughs> 10% good fucking technique, 90% good choices. If you have good solid lines, right. good color saturation, even fucking shading, even if it's a stupid tattoo, if it's technically well done, it can still be a good tattoo, even if it's, you know, tasteless or fucking awful, whatever, right? You can't have a good tattoo if it's done like shit. So right. being able to identify that stuff, you go out, yeah, I'd probably help. You go to a convention. And I, I know we both have seen this. You can go walking around and there's a lot of magicians in there trying to win trophies that know how to do day application, but they don't do good tattoos, right? So it's weeding through the masses. And I mean, I, I, mean, I want to kind of stick on conventions, I think, a little bit just because there's, there's so many different classifications of your, your conventions, right? You have local, regional, national, international, you know? 
And when you go to each one of these ones, if you're going to be working them or if you're just visiting them, you can get a different feel or vibe off of what's good and what's not just through exposure, you know? Well, even as a learning curve, you know, you can utilize that to your advantage because any local or regional show is more or less going to be the same dudes that you hang out with on a weekly basis anyway. Uh, So that's just kind of getting you in a format for being in that environment. It's almost like having your control environment. Yeah. Yeah. The foundation to build off of. Totally. Right. You can, you can understand that when 60,000 people walk through in three days, that's a lot of people. There's a lot of noise. There's sounds going on. There's bands going on. There's people walking around naked. There's just crazy stuff that happens at conventions. And if you are, alone in a private studio in a small town and you've taught yourself how to tattoo when you first go to something like this holy cow <laughs> that can be eye-opening you know what i mean um or and yeah, imagine it being like your first convention and the power fucking goes out yeah that happens <laughs> or like crazy shit can happen yeah i uh what was one of the last ones i did a couple of years ago before the pandemic we went and did one and there was no wi-fi and oh my gosh, like it was insane. They had no thermal, they had no ink because everything got delayed on the on the transit over and there was zero Wi-Fi there. And I think that I and maybe two or three other people in this hall of 500 fucking tattooers were the only people tattooing because no one could do their work. <laughs> they didn't know how to draw. I, t- I just freehanded this right. fucking Nobody sleeve, no reference on this dude. Pencil. Yeah, nothing. They didn't have their artwork. They couldn't print it off. The printers weren't working because there's no fucking Wi-Fi. They couldn't connect. It was just an absolute disaster, right? The first day, everyone just got drunk and hung out at the steak bar and just like was like deuces. I tattooed somebody for nine hours that day. Well, fucking lower half sleeve, you know, like a just, you know, typical stuff, rose, compass, things like this. I was like, fuck, I've done these a thousand times. All Neotrad did it, killed it got fucking tattoo of the day because <laughs> i was up against two other people and they were right. still working on their shit for the next day because they had all their stuff they brought with them right it's like what are you guys doing oh i'm working on the sleeve oh you got all your i was like oh yeah dude we came prepared all of our stencils are in the trunk <laughs> i was like <laughs> right on guys um yeah those those things that's always good and i mean it teaches you it puts some more tools in your toolbox or right? that top drawer if you run into a problem on the road you know especially if you're working a convention or if you're traveling to another shop, you know, and, and you've run into something and you can identify and learn, you know, how to cope and deal with that. That that's like priceless as it moves down. I've, I've been, I traveled extensively for about 10 years. I was just on the road and I remember getting to shops and they're being like, I, we were booked, you know, like you've had this happen. I know right? where it's like, you're going to make five grand a week. Holy shit. That sounds like a good gig, right? You get there and you make $500 in the first two weeks. <laughs> it's just like, what, how do I get over this? How do I adapt to this? How can I leave here on good terms with these people still be friends with them, even though they fucked me. Right. Or if you get there and there's no, man, that's really noisy. I said you get there and there's no supply shop for a thousand miles. You know, they only get FedEx deliveries once every three weeks. I had that happen. That was fun. <laughs> you come in, you got no five rounds, <laughs> no three rounds. All you've got is 11 max. You're like, well, whoopsie poopsie, right? The tubes. I always used to love that. I'd always keep an extra box of 11 mag tubes opens, right? The shovel tips. 
You just turn them on a corner, 45 on a bar. There you go. You've right. got a diamond tip tube. <laughs> I can't count how many times I've had to do that on the road. Right. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I think that that, that traveling can, it, it opens you up to try and you understand instantly what, you know, as soon as you hit the road and you start really seeing those, those holes that you may not know or understand, or, you know, maybe it's underdeveloped. If it's a little different now, like obviously some of the turmoil for traveling is still there, but I mean, there's shit is so convenient now. Yeah. You can always hit up Amazon if need be and just get something right or fucking eBay or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Gone are the days when your power box dies in the middle of a convention. You've got to do some surgery on the fucking thing to make sure you can finish the tattoo that somebody's paying for on a walk up. Right. Um, yeah, maybe not, dude. But I mean, at the same time, there's different stresses now because we've become so reliant on everyone else. If if one right, little the thing, one's a giant one. The Wi-Fi one is hilarious. I I just people right. were screaming, kicking over fucking tables like it was it was a disaster. <laughs> I have never seen like tattooers are fucking emotionally sensitive most of the time. But that day, dude, it was like a fucking brawl. Everyone's just gone. You know, that fucking beer counter had gotten a workout by four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <clears throat> but I think, yeah, so it, I guess we go back to the, the early time and stuff. When you're going out, don't try. If you're going to go work, set realistic expectations Maybe just go out and try to focus on one thing, right? Client interaction, like go and work a shop with someone else, but only just like talk to people as they walk up, go for exposure, hand out cards, you know, let people know where you're at, especially if it's local, because that's how you're going to build some of your clientele. Some people wait all year just to go and get tattooed at the convention. They'll never go into a shop because they like that feel better, you know? And if you can connect with those people, it's, you know, a surefire way once a week or one weekend a month, you know, once a year that you can go in and make a couple grand just because you've built that relationship. If anything, that's how I made clientele in Oregon before I even got to Oregon, Mm -hmm. because I did the conventions out there for fucking three years before I even moved to Oregon. It's an easy way. You can really understand the culture, the type of work that you're going to be doing. You know, you can you can get a little bit of a, a, a sneak peek on the nights instead of going and partying with everyone. And I never go to party at the conventions. I always go to work when the work is done. I go out and I look around. I'll hit the town, drive around, you know, wake up early, go for well. When I used to fucking do it, I was jogging and stuff. Go for a jog, you know, take a look around, see what's up. I always skip the after party <laughs> bullshit for the first two days and then yeah. do, do the last after party. Yeah, the last one's That's, that's the, the best. Right. It's the only one that matters anyway. And you're just celebrating the fact that you survived. <laughs> yeah. That, and you're only meeting the professional people who are doing that because the people who are laced up two days in a row and they've been sitting there doing fucking, you know, nose candy in the bathroom, you know, off of the toilet seats for two days. They're not there at the last after party. They're they're in their room sleeping it off. You want to meet connections, yeah. professionals, people who know what's going on that third day. That's where you meet connections. That's where you can learn. That's where you can you know sit down and shoot the shit and make friends. You're not, just out, fuck. You're not just out getting fucking lit up. Sorry about that. <laughs> go. Um, why don't we do this one? Oh, yeah. Another thing that you can get going off these if you decide to go into conventions early on is if you do go and you want to work it, put up some of your work for judging. And then this is going to be a hit or miss depending on who's doing the judging at the time, right? So sometimes you have to be in touch with the people who are running it and find out who's doing judging when, right? Like 
if I was in my first five years of working and I knew that Brian was going to be judging uh, um, an upcoming competition, it was black and gray, small color, whatever it is for the first or second day, I'd wait for that day and I would send up a piece and I would tell the client that I have, get a critique from them and find out what's wrong. You know, and have them be vicious. If somebody came up to Brian and, I, you know, if I send it up to you and my client said, hey, tell me what you think, what would you do? Rationally, I would try to not offend them as much as I could. Yeah. But at the, at the, you know, end of the Depending. day, even if it offends somebody, you have to be fucking honest. You know? Yeah, like, you give them a sense. fucking critique, right? Like you would do it. If it was a good tattoo, you'd be like, this is a good tattoo and this is why. If it's a bad tattoo, this is a bad tattoo. Here's why get off the fucking stage. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to get stuff. I mean, if you're really trying to, if you're not trying to, to spread out and learn as much as possible, and you really do just want to specialize in something, finding people at these conventions who are, are judging things in that style is a really easy way to like get good feedback. And after the show that day or whatever, when it's done, go talk to the judge and ask them why you got that, that why you didn't win. Or what their thought was, you know, bring your picture, bring the picture of the tattoo up to them. I have that. People have done that with me. Oh, hundreds of times judging stuff. Like, why didn't I win? I'll be like, okay, well, this is why. And you list off all the stuff. And on average, if you get a good critique, everyone except for one person I have done a critique with was like, so busy outside today. Sorry. Um, Everyone I've given a critique except for like one guy was like, that makes sense. Thank you. You know? So I'm like, I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> I'm glad that it makes sense. You do know why you didn't win, right? Like, yeah, that totally makes sense. This doesn't, I shouldn't have won. Yeah. It's okay. Just let that influence your next design, you know? Um, I don't remember where I was tattooing, but I did almost want to punch one of the judges in the face. Um, just my tattoo was up. And like sometimes, you know, when tattoos go up for contests, uh, they'll have to call people back because they were like, we can't really decide between these tattoos. So let's call these guys back and look them over. Right. So mm-hmm. my tattoo gets called back um, and they're checking it out. And like, everybody looks stoked, right? Like the judges just love the piece and all this shit. And then they're looking at this next piece next to it. And then they go back to this one and back to that one, right. Doing this thing for about five minutes. <laughs> and ultimately the other tattoo wins. And mm-hmm. When I asked them, they were just like, well, you just did a little frog. <laughs> like, that's your fucking reasoning? <laughs> like, the subject matter, just because it's a frog? It was going for best small but color. Had, it was too small of a right, frog. They, they had frog. no actual, like, substantial input other than the fact of, like, well, we just thought the subject matter was cooler on this one. So, so, like, if you run into that issue, right, Whatever they tell you, just <laughs> just leave that at the door. Right. That is, yeah, and that's that's something to know. I think after you've been to a couple of conventions, you'll really get how clicky everything is. You know, you're always going to get those one guys who are up on stage judging, you know, four or five different things at a time, and that, you know they're trying to help their buddies win. And that's what you want to try to find those consummate professionals who have traveled, you know, maybe a long way, maybe they're local or whatever, but you know that they go up and maybe you, you just want to have some valuable input, you know? And if you go up and, and they're not good, then you can just write them off. Like this guy really doesn't actually know what he's doing and he's getting really lucky with his application. <laughs> um, what if we hit the midpoint of your career? So I wrote down a couple points on this one too, right? Like I think once you got like five to 10 years in the can and you start traveling, 
if you're doing conventions, that's when you start trying to win stuff, like hands down, right? Because you're not going to be looking for critiques. You're not trying to work the crowd. You probably have an established clientele at this time. If you're trying to go and get a little bit of recognition, you know, especially if you're hitting national or even regional, regional, national, international conventions, that's the time when people start actually recognizing who the fuck you are. And if you're there to win, you really want people to know your name, right? That's about the time I see people doing this or they should do this in my opinion. What do you think? Most of the trophies I've won were not because I wanted to win trophies. Hmm. They were just because my old lady wanted to go do something else or she was bored. (laughs) (laughs) Go hop up on stage and just be like, yeah, oh yeah, that works. Um, Yeah, I think it won five trophies off of a tattoo I did on her fucking like six years ago or however long that was. Got a trophy for it the day it was done. And then basically we've gotten a trophy for it every fucking year now. That's that awesome. has been healed. When people look at they're like, that's a really good tattoo. How old is that? Seven years old. What? <laughs> wow. Pretty much. <laughs> that's the best midsize color I've ever seen. Good job. What's hilarious though is uh so it's it's a Hanya mask, uh peony, whatever. But uh, we've gotten traditional awards, neo-traditional awards, uh, Asian Oriental awards, <laughs> color awards. <laughs> so we hit the whole spectrum. Uh, one tattoo. Apparently. One tattoo. Yeah, that's if if I was mid midway of my my game, you know, ten years in or something, and I put up something and starts winning everything like that. When I'm at a convention, I can go shop around. I can go see people and be like, "Hey, that was a fucking cool tattoo, right?" It's like, "Well, yeah, dude, you, you hit it off with somebody. Hey, you guys do guest spots." You know, right. or come back out here, maybe work at your shop after the convention. Maybe can I come back and work for a week? You know, extend your stay a little bit. That sometimes is how it's worked when I've gone, you know, far away from home. If I'm not driving, if I'm flying, I'll be first day. I'll I'll work the crowd a little bit, walk around, get all the free swag. You know, I want to get stickers and cards and stuff from every freaking booth and say hi to everyone. If I find somebody who's just cool and you hit it off, right? You're outside having a smoke or you grab a drink together or something, <clears throat> and you're just you know you're eating lunch. I'm like, hey, where do you work at? You know, you just strike it up. You guys never have guest spots, you know? I I just want you know this this one of the day or whatever it is, you know, best small color, best Asian inspired, best best neo traditional piece, best all this stuff, right? They'll be like, oh yeah, dude, I seen your work. It's really good. It's an easy way to break that ice and try to you know hopefully network a little bit, you know. I've done that a lot actually. Go to conventions and just meet people, talk to them. Like, hey, I'm thinking about coming back My to town. Favorite. My favorite thing at a convention is that you can walk around and know who's trying to win. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the idea that there is a partial competitive atmosphere in a convention. Yeah, that energy is palpable. It's different. You're right. You can just, you right. know that dude, right? You know that dude who's trying to do this stuff. There's a fucking one dude who's just wearing, like we had, um, where was I at? It, it was a national convention. I remember there was a dude who literally just came in in a banana hammock and he had stuffed a whole bunch of shit down his banana hammock. And he's like, I'm fucking winning today. Like he tattooed like that and everything. He's like big dick swinging guys. It's time to fucking win. He's like trying to intimidate everyone else not to go up next to his piece. It's like, wow. <laughs> you see the other people head down. They don't look up the entire convention. Three days. They only look at the floor, right? No distractions. No, nothing. I'm just working. They're rushing through this large scale piece, trying to get it in for best in show, you know, just grinding. 
<laughs> it's crazy to me too that people will do that they'll, they'll try to do this overwhelmingly huge tattoo thinking that the size is what's going to win best of show but it's generally speaking it's going to be your technical application oh, and just your skill set that's going to win best of show yeah you know, it's never going to be because you did some gargantuan huge fucking tattoo no it doesn't like if you crush a, a sleeve in three days you know it, it, maybe it's going to be good but i can guarantee you when it goes to show the skin is not going to be in the best condition right you do do something that is i'd say like hand sized you know maybe a little bit bigger maybe a little bit smaller dump into it in one day next day do another one have two entries double the chances of possibly winning but make sure they are fucking perfect you know, don't do seven tattoos in one day and then try to crush a sleeve at the end. Like I've seen some people do. You did a sleeve in seven hours. It's like, it's not, it's not there. You know, you can't paint a house in seven hours, you know, with a fucking, a squirrel hair detail brush for like lettering, you know, <laughs> it's gonna It's going to turn out bad. You need to actually put in the work and the effort, you know? Ah, uh, that's funny. I, I've also seen, um, there's, there's chances to connect when you're like, especially mid-grade uh, artists traveling a lot to like connect with like sponsors and distributors and people who are doing sales, like the, the supply booths and model booths and stuff like this, like getting in touch with those people who are the reps for these businesses is it at conventions. It's like one of the easiest ways, you know, not only to air your grievances, if you think that they're shit, but also to make a connection, you know, get coupons, get free stuff like that. Right. Like, I have said a few things to a few people from distributors a couple times on the road <laughs> heated, which was great. I, I said it to one guy at one, one place once and I'm not no name dropping the motherfucker gave me like 10 boxes of needles. Uh, he gave me a, I still have it. My, my little light table pad, my little $20 ones or something like 10 boxes of needles and a fucking 12 rack of ink. <laughs> He's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I was like, this makes up for it. Thank you very much. It's like fucking hard sideline. I came back. I think I spent a couple hundred bucks after that, bought some more stuff. But I mean, all the swag you could think of, right? Stack of stickers. Here you go. You know, have a great day. I'm like, you want to give me a machine? No. You know, okay. Well, at least I tried. <laughs> yeah. I just found out stuff was great. Uh, uh, let's say if we move towards the end stages of your career. And I think this is where the diminishing return stuff happens when you're traveling, right? One, traveling sucks. <laughs> right. From somebody who did this for years and years and years, it sucks. It's never perfect. You're never home. Sleeping in hotels may sound like fun when you're 21, but when you're 40 and you go to sleep in the best Western, your back is not going to feel all right. You can't, you can't get comfortable. It's always too hot or too cold. So you have to have a fucking reason to get out of the house. <laughs> you know, I have to go here. Like if there's a, a convention in Arkansas this year and you're working it, I'd go to this convention because I just want to fucking go work with you and hang out, dude. You know what I mean? If you're going like, hey, I'm going to Akron or I'm going to Hell City, you know, or I'm going to Philly, you know, I'd be like, cool, dude, let's go, you know, Chicago Invitational or something. Yeah, fuck, let's do this, dude. Go to Puerto Rico. Fuck yeah, in. I wouldn't just go to fucking Puerto Rico if you weren't going as well. I'd be like, no, I'll just stay and right. work at the shop. <laughs> I don't Literally, need to network. Every time I've gone to Puerto Rico, the convention has always been great, but I get uh, fucked up. Yeah. I get sick as hell, or I get massively sunburned, or like I just fuck my shit up every single fucking time. 
Yeah. <laughs> At this point, it's just comical because the moment like the discussion of the Puerto Rico convention comes up, <laughs> I just dread it. I'm like, it's just torture. Yes, no, yes, no. Maybe I shouldn't fucking do it this year. <laughs> Last year and I was lobster during the second day trying to work. Well, I was horrible. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's 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 good, you know. That I think the only thing that really is beneficial towards the later stages, like let's say you've hit more than 10 years, maybe 15, 20 years in your career, there's going to be better options for you to hit those international conventions, right? You go to Taiwan, you know, France, you go to the Paris convention or something, right? Go Bristol or fucking London convention. Like you can go to these other places. You can go work them. If you can figure out the fucking immigration bullshit, but you can go work them. You know, you can find new friends in other countries. You can think about maybe there's a place where you want to retire if you have fucking acumen to make it as a business person, right? But you can go and just spread your influence, you know? Make new friends in other places. You go to Germany. Let's go to the Berlin Tattoo Conventions, you know? Like, like we'll hit up Berlin. Be fucking rad. Do you speak speak any German? No. (laughs) This should be fun. I know, if I do... If I ever do... A German tattoo convention. We have to kidnap my buddy Bill because he speaks fluent German. Yeah, it's fucking awesome, dude. He like <laughs> went to college to learn how to speak German or some shit. Uh, but have a translator on the road amazing. with you, so, right? Yeah, uh, we'd have to. Uh, yeah, I, so I think that's good. I think at the same time, if you're later in your career and you have specialized properly, like in my mind, properly specialized. You spent 10, 15 years traveling, picking up tricks, slowly becoming tattoo. You know, it's just, it's starting to become a self-expression as opposed to a job where you don't worry about things. You just do it. You should start disseminating the things that you've learned and spread that knowledge, right? Like help add to the total, you know, collective intelligence of the industry. Don't just hoard it. You know, you should be out there trying to teach conventions or even just working at convention and, you know, people see you doing stuff the younger people come up and be like hey do you want to watch yeah i can explain to you how to do this you know think about where you were in your first five years and you're trying to get like any bit of information to try and make you better i help spread that around you know yeah i think like some of the weirdest things that have happened in conventions is like i've randomly had people now come up and buy artwork off of me and they're like i love everything that you do i was like (laughs) that's cool i guess <laughs> like i only have like 1500 instagram followers i didn't know that anybody knew that i did things but thanks yeah it's <laughs> you know? so weird that happens it's it's an ego stroke for sure if it's wanted or unwanted that's different right but if you're into that sort of stuff it's kind of nice to have that i've put in 20 years of hard work and somebody actually thinks what i'm doing is good you know <laughs> which is right kind of nice fascinating <laughs> Why do you think I'm good? Like, did you see this dude next to me? Like, holy shit, he's great. No, no, fuck that guy. You're the best. Okie doke. (laughs) I don't remember who it was, but uh, I was at some fucking convention and, you know, this guy walks up and he's talking about how great the work is and this, that, and the other. I was like, thanks, man. You know, uh, wouldn't say I'm that great or anything, but I appreciate it. And he's like, you realize you're at a convention with like the best tattoo artists in the world, right? I'm like, um, 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> it didn't actually click, click. the convention yeah. that I was at, but it was like, oh, to my right, it was like James Tex and yeah. it was like Timmy B and all these dudes. Yeah. It was like, oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've moved away from regionals when I hit that. The very first international tattoo convention that you work is eye opening because you're going to walk into it thinking you're at a regional or national. And then when you do, like I told you about the Tony Who story, right? Where it's just like, right. this is different, right? There's a different level of swagger when people are coming and trying to win something, right? Because they're competing against all these internationally like known. It's not just the aisle, you know, with the people from Ink Master and, you know, like fucking Bob Tyrell or some shits in there. No, this right. is every aisle you walk down is just talent. It's, it's it's different. Like the, the fucking aisles are wider at these international conventions. More people can fit down them because instead of having 20 or 30,000 people show up over a weekend, you'll have like 50, 100, 200,000 people move through these fucking doors, depending on the size of the place you work. It's big. It's not a small affair. You know, you're not going to be in Muskegon. <laughs> Once you're like really into it, you know, like, especially if you start doing international and invite only shows, just being able to walk through and see everybody's fucking work is just mind blowing. You know, like there's so much awesome in one little space. It's inspiring at times. And then it kind of gets boring (laughs) after you've done like, I think two, two big name conventions after that, it's just like, well, I'm just coming to work. The last one that I went and did, and I haven't done one for a few years, I didn't bring any clients. I didn't bring any artwork. I brought stickers, an electronic portfolio, which was on my phone. And I wrote I wrote my name on pens on toilet paper because I didn't even have a banner. And I just taped it up to the back. I had such a good time that show. And I work with those people. I forget who walked by. I think it was Steve Moore. He's like, cool banner, bro. And I'm like, Thanks, dude. <laughs> I didn't give a shit, right? Oh, Bob Tyrell walking. Danny Trail was walking around. He's like, that's inventive. He's like, how shitty are you? I'm like, haha. Touche, Danny Trejo. Why are you even in this fucking place? He's like, uh, signing autographs. <laughs> he just like walked off. He's really short, too. I didn't know that before, but um, yeah, I didn't give a shit. I was just there to have fun. I already knew a bunch of people, you know. You get people from all over the fucking world, right? Hanging out with the fucking Brits, talking shit, you know. As, yeah. yeah. If anything, like the biggest thing that I always take with traveling and tattooing and conventions and shit like that is just finding inspiration. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, dude. There's money to be made in whatever bullshit. I don't give a fuck about sponsors or any of that nonsense. Mm-hmm. But being able to just like see someone new or new work, you know, new ideas. Like, yeah, that's the shit that's fucking cool. That fucking superstar that's seven years in shows up and just slays three days in a row, you know? And you're like, how in the fuck are you this good? And they're fucking super chill people too. Like, dude, I got super lucky. <laughs> wow. No, you're really good, man. Like, I can't wait to see what you look like in 10 years if you're still alive and doing this, you know? <clears throat> that's fine. There's a, there's a thought process happening in tattooing whereas like uh access to information used to be so much more difficult oh yeah on in tattooing you know even if we were to just go back like eight years ago or 10 years ago versus access to information now and tattooers are 
being really fucking good within their first five to 10 years of tattooing because the ease of information or the access to the information is so much easier for them to get their hands on. Yeah. In my opinion, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, dude. I, I see that too. That it still comes down to, and I know this, it sounds like it's contradictory to what my initial point is, but I thought about this a lot. And the, the reason why I have these like five, 10, 15, 20 year markers is because you still don't have enough time to do as many tattoos in five years as you do in 20, but you don't know all the skin types. You don't know different elevations. You don't know different times of the year, climates. You don't know ages. You don't have enough experience to really be able to do stuff. And I feel that there's a chance unless you're extremely selective about your clientele, which it seems to be happening a lot now with specialization, right? I'm only looking for this one skin type because that's all I'll tattoo. Um, that if you go to do a tattoo that's something outside of your wheelhouse, you are going to make a catastrophic mistake, not even a mistake, right. but it's going to be bad, right? And until you've made that mistake two or three times over 10 years and you learn how to fix it, you suck. <laughs> just shouldn't say that really, but it's just you, you don't have enough experience, you know, to actually consider yourself like a tattooer, tattoo artist, right? Like you can be an artist for a long time, but tattooing is more than just making a pretty design on a tablet and wrapping it on the body. It's understanding not only how to apply it, but also how to fix it. Because if something goes wrong, you're only as good as how good you can make it after that. <laughs> yeah, that's what. That's why I always ping that little golden rule. Like that first five years of your tattoo experience, that's your first year of tattooing. Mm -hmm. Right. That's yep. the only way to look at it. That first five years is the amount of time that you're given to make as many mistakes as you fucking can. That, dude, literally, that's it. If you, if you say, I've been tattooing 10 years, this is personal experience, and you make a stupid mistake because all you've been doing is realism for 10 years, I'm pointing at me here. <laughs> the, People will look at you like you are a fucking leper. You will lose jobs. They are, they're not looking for superstars. The average tattoo shop, if you travel, is looking for somebody who can do everything. You, if somebody comes in the door, and you want to when you're on the road, too. You don't want to have somebody coming and say, hey, I want to get a rose. You're like, sorry, I only do peonies. Wasn't that Japanese? No, right. I won't do this. Sorry, I only do bluebirds, not swallows. Like you can't do that. You need to. You need to eat. If you got a family and you're traveling, personal experience. This you have to be good at everything. Not great. That we didn't even say good. You got to be competent at everything. Skin tone, type, color, size, age. Everything has to be fucking dialed in, or you will suffer, and you will not be invited back. And that fucking tattoo road tour that you've got going on is just going to get stopped midway through while you try to adapt with, holy fuck, I got to go back to San Diego to try and fix up some of this shit because that shop owner's pissed at me because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Made me good fast, though. You got to get your chops up to snuff pretty quick if you have to travel an extra thousand miles to go and fucking do a touch-up, you know? <laughs> got to leave this one. Like, oh, shit. My travel plans are expanded a little bit. I won't be getting to Iowa until February. It's November right now. Sorry, it's supposed to be there in December. <clears throat> <laughs> I've made some stupid mistakes. <laughs> uh, this is how we all interpret it when we start, right? Like this, this looking back and being able to critique travel now after having done it so much, it's funny how I made so many assumptions when I started into it. And, you know, it, I kept going into it wanting to do 
something big. I was in my twenties. I was like, I can make it. I can be big. I can get recognition. I can be special. I can do this and that, you know, I'll be the science guy in tattooing, et cetera, et cetera. And then I wasn't really paying attention to just how much fucking fun I was having, you know, and I could have had so much more fun if I just relaxed, took it easy, enjoyed the fucking process, you know, like just went out and, and tried to do the job instead of trying to master the job, you know, because it's just going to come naturally. The longer that you're in it, the more you've been experienced or more, the more you experienced or the more you've been, you know, shown in the industry, the, the better you're going to get regardless, as long as you're applying yourself, you know? Right. That's always a hard one to like try to get into somebody's head. It's like time ultimately will just generally make you better. Yeah. You know, as long as you're doing something consistently, you can't really like just try to push through and rush any specific thing. No. It's just going to backfire on you. You yeah. feel like a fucking idiot in a few years. Right? Yeah. So like, it's, it's really important. Like just settle the fuck down, stop trying to be a rock star, you know, like, <laughs> and just focus on doing some good tattoos, man. Yeah. You can be a rock star for five years and all of us are going to know that you aren't. <laughs> but if you try something and it works, that's cool. Cause that's how the industry has grown, gotten better, started doing new things. You know, eventually we're going to run out of new things. People, you can't be a rock star. <laughs> Innovation can only go so far. Fifty-five. <laughs> you know, robots will be doing this shit. Oh god, that's a talk for another time, dude. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about the ethics of machines doing this stuff, and I was like, "Wow, that's interesting." But anyways, 